We're going to quickly grab our Bibles where you're standing. Amen. And I'd like for you to uh, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapters number 16. Amen. Luke chapter 16. We're going to read just one verse and then we'll have you be seated. Luke chapter 16 and verse number 1. And it reads as follows. And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. He said also to his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. You can be seated this morning. Amen. We are continuing on this morning with the series of studies that we've begun a few weeks ago on the subject of stewardship. And we are going to continue to dive into this topic today. Amen. Uh, for the sake of this study this morning, I, I want to read, and if you still have your Bibles, you will want to grab your Bible once more and, and follow along. Um, there's times, amen, in reading the Word of the Lord that... Things begin to jump off the pages to you uh, like you haven't seen before. And as I read this this last week, um, I began to think, I don't know if I remember reading this parable or this story before. Um, and um, I felt like God was speaking, amen, to me uh, regarding this lesson this morning. Uh, we're going to read that again, Luke chapter 16. If you could follow along with me. He said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. So here we see that there is a rich man and he has a steward or someone that is directly responsible for managing his goods, his wealth, his property uh, and so forth. And that was his specific purpose and role, his job, his responsibility. Verse number two says, and he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. So the rich man gets wind that this steward or this uh, fiscal agent uh, was mismanaging his goods and he calls that steward to him to give an account uh, or to let him know of the progress uh, or the lack of progress regarding the welfare of his goods. Uh, the Bible says in verse number three, then the steward said within himself, he began to rationalize and think. After hearing these words from the, his master, the rich man, he says, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. In other words, I'm going to lose my job. Because I did not do my job right. I'm going to lose my stewardship. I'm going to lose my job. He says, I cannot dig. In other words, I got no other profession. I got no other trade that I can fall back on. This is... The one thing that I have been called to do and and it's all I know and I'm fixing to lose my livelihood. Uh, and he says, I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. And he says, not only can I, I don't have any other trades, but I'm ashamed to go out there and on the streets and beg. Because once I had power and I had authority and now I'll, I'm going to soon very quickly have nothing to my name. Uh, it's a very... Uh, real situation that this steward finds himself in. Uh, and, and I want to stop and tell you today, no matter where you are in life, God can take it all away in a moment of time. God can take it all away and God can pull the carpet out from under you to where you will be left high and dry and wondering, where did I go wrong? Uh, except there will be a voice of God in your life that will speak to you and that will let you to know, amen, what went wrong in your life. Uh, he continues thinking, this steward. 
He says, I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. He, he begins to get some resolve in his spirit. He says, I know what I'm going to do uh, when I'm uh, put out, when I'm out of the job, when I'm out of the stewardship business. Uh, I, I want to be able to have some friends to fall back on or to rely upon. And he begins to work on his connections outside of his master's house uh, because he sees, if you will, the writing on the wall. Uh, we're reading from Luke chapter 16 this morning. Uh, and the Bible says in verse number five, he so he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him. Here he begins to practice being very shrewd and he begins to be very astute with his next few decisions because he realizes his his time is short before he's got nothing uh, to, to offer or nothing to fall back on. But he still has a, a final few moments of authority uh, behind his name and backing him. Uh, and so the Bible says that he, he calls every one of his Lord's debtors unto him. And he, he says unto the first, he goes down the list. He says, how much owest thou unto my Lord? How much do you owe my master? He begins to devise a plot. He begins to go throughout all of the debtors and says, how much do you owe? And how much do you owe? And how much do you owe? And he begins to bargain with them. He begins to cut deals with them. And he begins to uh, try to uh, salvage his name before his master. And on, on one side of the spectrum, he's salvaging his name. And on the other side of the spectrum, he's making a friend. Because I may need you when I'm done with this job that I'm fixing to lose. Uh, he begins to be very shrewd uh, so he can say, well, I gave my master what he had coming to him. And, and I also made some friends and I cut some deals. And so now when I'm out of this job, hopefully you'll consider being my friend still. And hopefully you'll remember the nice and kind deed that I did for you in this life. Uh, and the Bible says that in verse number six, he said uh, the first one that he asked how much was owed to his master. He said a hundred measures of oil. And the steward says unto him, take thy bill and sit down quickly and write down 50. Whatever your bill is, write it for half the amount and we'll give it to the owner and we'll call you. We'll call it square. We'll say everything's good. You're going to have a discount. I'm going to be able to give something to my master and I'm going to have a, some bragging rights. I, I did a few things on my way out the door. Then he says to another, and how much owest thou? And he said, a hundred measures of oil, of wheat. And he said unto him, take thy bill and write down, write four score or write it for 80. Uh, I'm going to give you a 20% discount on that bill that you owe. You just have to pay 80. The Bible says in verse number eight, and the Lord commended. Now here is an oxymoron if you've ever heard it in the scripture. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Does that make any sense to the naked eye at first glance? And he says, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Another thing you would think, wow, why is God saying something like this? What kind of direction is this that he's giving? And he says that when you fail, uh, that they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in which in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Mammon is a, a, a reference to money, to currency. He says if you've been, if you've been, uh, if you've been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's. Who shall give you that which is your own? Uh, here we read the, the parable of the unjust steward. As Jesus teaches uh, on the right use of earthly possessions with regard uh, to the prospect of another world. Amen. God is trying to teach his disciples because we see that in, chap in chapter 16, verse number one. He says unto his disciples, he's trying to teach his followers 
amen, the proper use of the earthly possessions that are under your control or under your auspices. Uh, he teaches on the right use of earthly possessions with regard to the prospect of another world. In the form of the two parables, uh, if you are to take a look at this particular chapter in Luke chapter 16, and not read it in a vacuum, not read it just looking at the parable of the unjust steward, but you're to read it through in its, in, its, uh, in its context and read the complete chapter, you also find that this chapter number 16 concludes with the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, of the rich man and Lazarus, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but God here, as he's teaching his disciples, he's beginning to contrast two different scenarios. And he's beginning to teach them about the proper use of their money. The proper use of their treasure. We said it a moment ago that a steward was a household manager, an overseer, or a fiscal agent. Uh, much like a wealth management team that the wealthy usually has at their disposal. Uh, if you are a, considered a high net worth individual, uh, money's in excess of $1 million or more, you can... Take your money. You could say, uh, uh, Mrs. Reyes, here is my $1 million. It's uh, for you to manage it. We want you to take this and we want you to grow it above the industry market rate. Uh, then eventually a year later, I'll come back and say, uh, Mrs. Reyes, thank you so much for my $1 million that you managed. What did you do with it? And then she was to come back and say, well, um, I saw this yacht, uh, this boat that I really liked. Um, but no problem, I'll get it back to you. I would do the same as this story here. I would say, well, you know, your time's done with me. Thank you. Uh, but no, thank you. Uh, I'll have my money now. And, and here you have this the same story in the Bible, where the rich man comes to the steward and says, I put everything in your disposal. I gave you a, a job. I gave you employment. I gave you income. I gave you dependency in life. What did you do with it? Uh, did you did you produce something? Did you uh, increase the goods that I gave you, or did you squander it? Uh, and, and I want to remind someone here tonight that the treasure that you have uh, in your bank account, in your wallet, in your 401k, it's the Lord's. Uh, and I'm just uh, simple enough to believe that everything that I have comes from Him. Yeah. Uh, but in in the the scheme of things, in the kingdom. Uh, in the in the Bible, there's there's kingdom concepts that begin to uh, teach us how God views the finances, and the way that God views, Amen, the things that you have in your disposal. Is God's not saying to you today, you're to sell everything and give it to the church and go for broke and trust God the rest of your life, but God is saying, I want you to understand that what you have in your disposal, I put there for you to be a steward of it. For you to manage it and for you to uh, increase it and for you to use it for the right things and not for selfish gain. I put you in charge of some things and, and I've allowed you to be in this country blessed in the United States of America. And there's lots of programs that we have and lots of jobs available. Uh, and when you have the increase in life, understand that it's the Lord that he's entrusting to you. And, and nowhere in scripture, amen, do I, do I find... Uh, something more clear than this particular chapter number 16 of the book of Luke where it says that the rich man had a steward. It, the Bible doesn't say that the rich man was the steward. It says that he had a steward. There was a man that was working for him that was his steward. And the Bible refers to the children of God, the, the people of God as stewards over God's treasure. Right. Stewards over God's treasure. Amen. That is why each and every time the voice of God comes to me and speaks to me to give such and such amount of money uh, to the kingdom of God or such and such amount of time or the specific talents that I have been given. Amen. I look at it and I understand that it's his anyways that he's just now asking for. Amen. His portion of what he's given to me. Yes. It's not for me to uh, begin to bargain and rationalize with God and say, well, God, this is mine. How dare you ask, amen, for my time? Or how dare you ask for my talents? Or, or how dare you ask for my treasure, God? It's mine. Yes. But a kingdom concept, a biblical principle in Scripture is that you and I are stewards. Yes, that's right. 
We're not owners. We're stewards. And God has the ability at any time in this life, this road called life, to say, what have you done with what I've entrusted you with? What have you done? Amen. God has given each and every one of us the ability to do the things that we are doing today. God has given each and every one of us the uh, a certain level of finances and there to be uh, a different means of getting by in life. For some it may be a lot of money. For others it may be a small amount of money. But wherever you fall in the spectrum, God simply asks for a 10%. God simply asks, amen, he says, of all the increase that you've got today, the 10% mine. Because you've got to understand that I am the one, the Lord over, uh, over all the earth. And, and you are a steward and, and you're going to, uh, you've got to understand that I am in charge and that uh, I will provide for you. And though it may seem like it's a less amount of resources when you give your tithe, when you pay your tithe and give your offering, amen, it actually is, has the ability to abound and to become so much more in the hands of the Lord. Amen. You say, prove that to me, preacher, today. Amen. There was a young boy, amen, one day that sat at Jesus' feet and as he taught the, the, the masses, the thousands of people, Sister Gina, there was one boy that said, uh, there's a need that I hear about in the, in the midst today. All that I've got is five loaves and two fishes. I just got a, uh, some small sardines and a little bit of bread rolls there. It's a poor man's food, but but God said, you know what, if you can just give that to me, son, I'll send you home with baskets full that your mama will be amazed and you'll have a testimony the rest of your life. And so today, no matter if you're that person with just five loaves and two fishes, when it's placed in the hands of God, he takes your blessing, he takes your offering, your tithing, he takes the time that you dedicate to the things of God, he takes the talent that you give to the church and he says, I'm going to bless this. I'm going to pray over this. And then you're going to make, you're going to know, amen, without a shadow of a doubt that, that I blessed it, that, that I control everything, that I'm in charge and that I've got your best interest in mind. Hallelujah. The God that we serve is able to take what we have and to bless it. We are not owners, but we are stewards. In verse number two, the steward was called upon to give account of his fiscal responsibility of his master's possessions. This uh, giving account verbiage is a communication of what was done with the master's possessions. And I'll stop and tell you this. Every one of us is going to give an account before the Lord. Amen. No matter you're rich, poor, somewhere in the middle, no matter what nationality, no matter what tongue, what language, every one of us is going to give an account before the Lord. When God says, I provided for you, I made a way for you, what did you do with the things I put at your disposal? Some people take this chapter, this story, they take it for granted. And they think, well, my master is loving. He cares for me. I got it made. I can, I can get careless. I can, I can allow things to slip because he won't fire me. I've been working for him for years. He's a good man. But the Bible says that he's also a just God. And God will come to you and God will say, what did you do with this period of time that I gave in your life? Did you use those, if I could take a few moments and talk to all the single people here today. Did you use your singleness for the Lord? Because it is a gift. Amen. Everything in life is a gift from the Lord. Amen. Those years of singleness and uh, those years of being single uh, and not having the uh, other relationship responsibilities that go along with being married and having the, the children to care for and to tend for. Uh, you've been given a gift of time. Right. 
You've been given a gift of time. And there's so much time that's available in your singleness. And I made it a point a long time ago when I was going to be, while I was single, as long as I was single, I was going to use that for the Lord and just give that to God. And as times God began to progress me through life, and, and, and I, I find myself married with one child, another one on the way, uh, I got a little bit less time today, a lot less time today than I did some 10 years ago. But I can look back and say, in those years of my singleness, I went to college. I studied. I read a lot. I prayed. I fasted. I I got involved. I did everything to to maximize and to to build upon a foundation of being rock solid in the scriptures and in prayer. So that later on down the road, when I don't have as much time and I don't have the resources, uh, I'm going to be standing upon a foundation that in my singleness I I used for God. And and I'm not going to be able to say I didn't have enough time because there was plenty of time. That's one thing that I had was a lot of time when I was single. And I use it for the Lord. And, and as you progress through life and uh, things begin to transpire and God begins to bless you. And you graduate from college, Brother Nathan, uh, Sister Nally, And you, you move through those years and, and God begins to prosper and bless you. And you find yourself with less time. But now you've got a little bit more resources to spend. And God says, now uh, are you going to keep that same concept and principle and take it with you uh, in the other thing that I've made you a steward over? And now God says, I know you got less time, but now there's some other things things that you increased in life and would you use that for the kingdom of God? Would you use that for the advancement of the kingdom of God? Every one of us is going to give an account. Verse number 8 of chapter number 16, the book of Luke. A moment ago I mentioned it as an oxymoron, if you will. It says, And the Lord commended the unjust steward Because he had done wisely, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. My question, how can an unjust steward do wisely? If that's not a riddle, amen, I don't know what is. How can an unjust steward do wisely? When the word wisely is used here, you'll see in this particular verse of scripture, it's talking about Uh, The children of this world. So it's talking about a worldly wisdom. uh, Or as the scripture continues to show the children of this world. This wisdom is shown in that this steward adjusted down the depths. uh, The debts of his manager to gain favor in the eyes of those debtors. In other words, this unjust steward took full advantage of his master's wealth. And his master's connections to help himself. He wasn't trying to help the debtors, but he was trying to help himself. Uh, But he took full advantage of this. But this steward was deceitful and self-centered in his approach. He was deceitful. He made them think he was cutting them a deal when in fact he was just trying to salvage some grace and some favor. He was trying to gain favor. Uh, He was was being uh, deceitful and self-centered. But the children of this world... The thing that the scripture shows is that the children of this world will use every means for their own interests to strengthen the bonds which unite them to their fellow man that are heading the same direction. The children of this world will use every means for their own interests and to strengthen the bonds which unite them to their fellow man. But on the other hand, the children of light neglect this natural measure of prudence. They forget to use God's goods to form bonds of love. This steward, this unjust steward, used every, took full advantage of his master's wealth and connections to help himself. And to strengthen that relationship that he had with his fellow man. But oftentimes we don't use the things that we have at our disposal to strengthen our relationships with others in in the church. Moving forward, verse number nine. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Verse nine can be used to teach us that friends by means of wealth and or property are not evil. 
And that if deceitful men through astuteness can use wealth and property to promote evil and hypocrisy, then also the children of God should be able to use astuteness in managing the wealth and the property given to them for the use in righteousness. Amen. Uh, It's there to to show us, amen, that we ought to be wise with our finances and with our treasure to use it for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Not for self-gain. But uh, we use it for His kingdom. We use it to strengthen, amen, those that are weak. When you fail, uh, means when property and money fail, the children of light will have made friends by means of properly using the wealth and property in God's kingdom. When all of these other things fail, you want to make sure that you have that relationship with your God, with your fellow man. One writer said, you will soon have to give up all your worldly goods. Be prudent in time. Make some real friends out of the mammon of unrighteousness by means of that money entrusted to your care. Do good to others who are in need. There's different threads woven through this story here today. In helping himself, he also helped his fellow man. There's the good and the bad mixed in there. But put your resources for the good of somebody else. We can stop and talk about that for a moment. Some people, God blesses them. And they, they just keep it all to themselves. And they say, well, I'm just going to, you know, just pour it all to me. But there's not that open hand concept. Of God gives and, and I'll give to others. And God will take away it and I'll, I'll just keep that, my hand open. God, if you bless me, I'll bless somebody else. I'll, I'll be a blessing. I'll help somebody else that's in need. Some people will use that and take advantage of that. But not all. Verse number 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Being faithful in small things will open the door to blessings and unfaithfulness in the small things will close the door to blessings and favor with God. You say, well, you know what? It's just a a small token. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter to God. It's not going to affect the church. If I don't tithe or if I short my tithe. uh, Or even if it's it's just a dollar. It's just $10, whatever it would be. But God looks for the small things in life. And says, can you manage the small things? Because if if today you you can't pay your tithe on $100. How are you going to pay tithe when if God wants to bless you with a thousand dollars? If you can't you can't tithe on a thousand dollars, how are you going to tithe on ten thousand yeah, right. dollars? Yeah. I'm going to tell you today, Amen. I would be overjoyed. I've said it before. I'd be overjoyed to be able to tithe a hundred thousand dollars. That would be a, that's a goal. That's right. Amen. One of these days. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but I would be thrilled, amen, to say here's $100,000 in tithe unto the Lord. You know, things begin, to, your perspective begins to change when you start to go a little bit more in giving and in income. On, for others, it may be easy to tithe on $10 because it's just a dollar. You get to $1,000, okay, no, that's $100. I could, I could I could have a nice pair of shoes. I remember as I was in, uh, finishing college and I was I was faithful in my time and I saw uh, one of my fellow graduates uh, go out and get a brand new Mercedes and I was still driving my old 1998 Honda Accord and I thought I could afford that if I didn't pay my time. 
If I wasn't paying tithe, I could have that same car. I could have that. But I want, I've got to go back to understanding and recognizing that it's all Him. And the only reason that I ever become anything in life is because of Him. It's because of Him. Because He's been good. Amen. Verses, if you would skip in your, your Bible to verse number 19 of the same chapter, it says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate, amen, full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his Sores. Amen. Here's a story of another man that thought he was owner but didn't realize he was actually a steward. And God begins to reveal to the disciples another kingdom concept and a biblical principle. And verses 19 through 21 show us that this rich man lived ostentatiously and he only cared for himself. Uh, But when both the rich man and Lazarus, as we would read in the following verses of Scripture, uh, as it says in verse 22, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Amen. When When they entered into eternity, the tables were turned Amen. And now the rich man became the poor man. And the poor man, Lazarus, became the rich man. And the tables were turned. Amen. As they entered into eternity. And by teaching these two parables in this chapter, Jesus shows instead of doing good with our worldly enjoyments, when we mismanage and we make them the food and the fuel of our lust of our luxury and our sensuality and we deny relief to the poor and other worthy causes, we shall certainly perish eternally. And the things of this world which were thus abused will but add to our misery and our torment. God begins to teach somebody, his his disciples on this particular day in Luke chapter number 16. Amen. Of how the tables can so quickly turn. Amen. Just like they did for the unjust steward when he would soon be out of a job. And just like it did for the rich man with his purple and fine linen. How he would one day enter into eternity and the tables would be turned. And God begins to say to the people that day, you are to look at the treasures in this life with an eternal perspective. And not see it in a vacuum. Don't see it just in this little small vacuum and think that this is all that there is but the Bible says in another part of scripture lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and where these don't break through and steal hallelujah for where your treasure is there will your heart be also lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven everyone say that with me treasures in heaven Treasures in heaven. My title today is Stewardship of Our Treasure. Stewardship of Our Treasure. Two things that are revealed to us in this chapter of Scripture. To all of us. For the unjust steward... It was called dismissal. But for the rich man and Lazarus, it was called death. And to all of us, dismissal and death will come at one time or another. To every man is appointed a man to die. There's an appointed time in everyone's life. Amen. There's There's a certain destiny or date that we have. Everybody has that. Everybody's going to have that day of giving account. Have that day of entering into eternity. And number two. That some provisions. Certainly. Ought to be made for the life that lies beyond. The life that comes after the dismissal or the death. 
We're not talking about the Egyptian practice today of being buried with your treasure in your coffin and taking it with you to the afterlife. We're not talking about that today, but we're talking about uh, there are things you can do in this life that that affect the next life. Amen. And and how you uh, are a good steward of your time, talent and treasure. Amen. Will certainly affect you in the next life. Malachi chapter three and verse number eight says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And the scripture says in tithes and offerings. This is how many have robbed the Lord through the years. By withholding their tithe and their offerings. We're teaching about stewardship today. We began about a month ago. Brother Paul taught a wonderful uh, message about stewardship from a 30,000 foot level. He talked about time, talent, and treasure. And then we went the next week and we talked about stewards of our time. And then last week, Brother Paul, amen, taught so uh, capably about being a good steward of our talents. Amen. And we were affected by that. And today it's about our treasure. The three main areas of stewardship in life. And here in Malachi, we see exactly God. Uh, he, he describes it in specific detail. He says it's in tithes and offerings. That you can rob me. And if you do such a thing. You are cursed with a curse. The prophet Malachi says. "For uh, This is the Lord speaking to the prophet Malachi. And he says. For ye have robbed me even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith. Prove me now herewith. Saith the Lord of hosts. If you've ever reached a point in your life where you said, you know what, prove me, prove me wrong. You know that tenacity, that passion in the voice. Maybe it was the the parent that looked at the child and said, touch that again and I'll I'll spank you. Just don't don't test me. And you're watching the same thing. But on, on a different note, God says, if you think that I don't honor tithes and offerings, prove me. Right. Put me to the test. Yeah. And you can imagine God on tippy toes on the edge of the steps saying, just prove me. Just, just watch. If you'll be faithful in tithes and offerings, I will pour out blessings. I'll withhold the hand of the devourer in your life. Just prove me now here with. Yeah. Prove me. Prove me. Prove me. Saith the Lord of hosts, amen, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing Amen. That there shall not be room enough to receive it. Amen. I want to be for one on the receiving end of the blessings of God in my life. I want to be, Lord, send it on down. Send it on down, Lord. Let that Holy Ghost, let those blessings, let that rain fall upon me. I want what you have for my life. Amen. I'll pour you out a blessing. There won't be room enough to receive it. And the Lord specifically says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Amen. The hand of the devourer. Amen. Since that work in every one of our lives, trying to steal the joy, trying to steal the blessings. But there's a hand of God that says, I'm going to stop the hand of the devourer. Amen. And I'm going to keep my hand upon you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to keep you from the harm that the enemy wants to put upon your life. Hallelujah. I've seen God do it over and over again. I've seen God do it over and over again. Sometimes it looks like an accident. On the side of the road that just happened a minute before you got there. We don't rejoice in anybody's calamity. But sometimes we say, if I would have got held up here, that probably would have been me. For me, a long time ago, it looked like the first notable school shooting in Cleveland, in Cleveland School, Cleveland Elementary School in Stockton, California where the 
gunman Kyle Purdy was his name. Pulled out his AK-47 and began to shoot kids on the playground. And of all of my brothers that went to Cleveland, my class that I should have been in, but I couldn't get into the school, was on the playground that time. God kept his hand upon me. God said, I'm going to forego that because we're a covenant people. Got a covenant relationship. There's certain things, amen, that God says, no, not, 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 not my daughter Natalie Reyes. Not, not Natalie. We got a covenant relationship. And the enemy sees something and says, hey, hold on. Let me stop that right there. We have a covenant relationship. And the devil sees something coming after uh, Sister Jean and says, no, let me get in front of that. Let me, let me block that. She's my daughter. i got a covenant relationship. We were, we're in covenant today. Amen. God says, if you'll get into a covenant relationship, amen, if you'll begin to enter into a covenant walk with God and begin to honor the kingdom concepts and the biblical principles in Scripture, I will rebuke the devour in your life. Hallelujah, I will see you through. I will make a way for somebody today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When calamity finds itself to everybody around you, but you are protected. You are in covenant relationship with God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I remember seeing a picture, amen, by a missionary to the country of Lebanon. And this man, amen, uh, that brought the gospel to Lebanon, a, uh, a very dominantly Muslim country with no abilities for Christian churches to get into that country. Uh, the, they, they told the story, and I saw the picture. They stood there on a sidewalk on one particular day, on one particular rainy day. Uh, that the clouds began to move in and the rain began to fall. And Sister Gina, there was a circle around this group of people. I can show you the picture. Uh, and that particular circle they stood was dry ground. And everything around it was raining, but it was sun shining right smack down in the middle of this group of people. This group of the apostolic believers. Amen. You've come too late to tell me God cannot rebuke the new power. And God does not see exactly where you are. Hallelujah. Amen. The, the call to ties and offerings is an invitation. Amen. To covenant relationship with God. It's an invitation to covenant relationship with God. Hallelujah. It's not, amen, it's not something where God's wanting you to go broke and God's wanting you to struggle week after week. But God says, I know it doesn't make sense, but come into this covenant relationship. Come into covenant relationship with me. Be a good steward of the things that I've put under your control. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not, he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And someone once suggested, well, if the tenth already belongs to God, why doesn't he just automatically withhold, amen, the tithe and then give us the rest? Like the IRS withholds taxes from our wages. That way God won't have to depend on us to pay our tithe. Amen. God has chosen for us to personally Amen. Of our own free will, return the tithe so that we can demonstrate our stewardship of his property. And stewardship is a faithful and responsible management of something that belongs to somebody else. Amen. When I give my tithe and I pay, amen, I give my offering, I'm saying, God, it already all belongs to you. It already all belongs to you. Everything that I've got is yours. And I'm going to return it to you, God, of my own free will. I'm going to say, yes, God, here it's yours. I want to live in a covenant walk with God. A covenant relationship with Him. Obviously, if God observes that we are irresponsible to return the small percentage, 
that belongs to him as he is directed. He knows that we can either be trusted with any greater responsibilities or blessings in the kingdom of God. Many times it's a test. Many times it's a test. And God's gauging the response. He said, let me do a pressure test on Brother Noah. And let, let, me, let, me, let me throw some things at him and see if when the bills begin to pile up. And he's got legitimate excuses if he'll stop paying his tithe. Or if he'll say, God, no matter what, from the top. From the top, God. And I'm giving God till it hurts. And I don't know what I'm going to do. All I can do is trust in you. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. I did what you told me. And the scripture says, I've been young and now I'm old, and yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken or received begging bread. God, I'm your child. Come through for me. Come through for me. Make a way for me. I've seen God do it over and over again, church, where God has provided and God has known exactly where I was. When my wife lost her health insurance from her previous job Hallelujah. for uh, the approximate cost of some $2,000 in a year, I got a raise for the exact amount. When things began to happen and she lost her job because of sickness, making, I don't know, 20, 25000 a year wasn't much at the time, I got a promotion for some twenty five, thirty thousand 30000 extra a year. I'm not telling you something I just read in a book, but I haven't experienced this. I've seen yes, God come yes. through over and over again. Praise God! And if, I, if I'm yes. faithful in doing what God's called me to do, right. and, and, I, and I face the, the, the prospect of an uncertain future without a job, and I said, God, I don't know what's going to happen. Amen. God has come through for me over and over again. And I keep being faithful to Him. When I, when I got laid off from my job two years ago, what I was going to do, God made a way that I get severance for three months and essentially I got to start pastoring this church, being a full-time pastor, getting paid my old corporate executive, non-executive corporate salary, and God made a way and when that paid period ended amen, God gave me my old job back and I kept paying tithes all the way through, not waiting not, not, not questioning, not worrying about what God was going to do but knowing that God was faithful to his word and he would see me through. And I'm going to tell somebody he will see you through today. He will see you through. He will make a way out of no way. Hallelujah. He will make a way. Tithing is a test of our stewardship over the property of God. A test of our honesty to return to God what is rightfully his. A test of our obedience to do what he told us to do. And a test of our love and desire to please Him with our lives. Tithing is a demonstration that we believe in God. And that we acknowledge He is the provider of all material blessings. If you haven't the faith to believe that the tithe belongs to the Lord. Neither can you have faith in Him to meet your financial needs. After all, if you don't believe that the tenth is His. Then you must not believe that the whole earth is His either. Without that confidence in his supremacy, there could be no confidence in his ability to provide our needs. And I've heard it like this before. If you can't trust God with your finances, how can you trust him with your soul? Luke chapter 12 and verse 34 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The late Billy Graham has been quoted as saying, Give me five minutes with a person's checkbook, and I'll tell you where their heart is. Give me five minutes with a person's checkbook, and I'll tell you where their heart is. He also said, If a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. 
the subject that we're talking about today is an indicator of things happening on the inside of every one of our hearts without exception. It's an indication of a heart issue. It shows what direction you're going. It's like the uh, thermometer on a car. It tells you if it's hot or cold. That gauge on a car. Where it's at. And the finances, the treasure is an indication of our heart. Amen. Let us all stand to our feet here this morning. I know we went a lot longer than planned. And perhaps the Lord just wants to talk to us here this morning about these things. But would you, as we close this teaching session this morning, would you take your hand and just look in the air? And would you close your eyes? And would you just begin to talk to God as the music plays a little bit louder this morning? Would you just begin to talk to God? God, help me, Lord, to be a steward. A good steward, God, over every area in my life. Lord, not just my my money today. Not just the, uh, the currency in my billfold or my purse or my wallet, God. But my time and my talents, God. All of these things, God. And we see the whole spectrum of stewardship this morning. And we're asking you today, Lord, to speak to our hearts. May we get this word Put it down deep in our soul. God, may we receive the engrafted word of God. And may we forever be a church that is a steward of the things that you put in our disposal. May we be the church of the living God. God, I pray, Lord, you would speak to us again and again. God, I want to be your man. I want to be your daughter. I want to be your son. I want to be your child. I want to serve you. I want to please you. God, help me, Lord. Help me to show you, God, that you can trust me with the little Lord. That you might prepare and make a way for me to have much in life. To be blessed and to be prosper with much in life. God, use me. Help me to use what you've given me, Lord.